Hey everyone, it's me. Welcome back to this week's episode of my Best Vintage Life podcast. My name is Bridget Morawski and I'm the creative director of Bass Brothers Unlimited, a vintage wholesaler based in Fresno and Los Angeles, California. And sadly, for the first time in a very long time, my co-host Art will not be joining me. He is away um, with his son for the weekend, so I am here flying solo. And uh, honestly, it was a little weird getting the podcast set up and not getting Art's levels and telling him to... Uh, come sit down so we can do that while he's answering phone calls or texts or busy. And so he's, it's like wrangling, uh, you know, cattle. But I'm here and um, I thought because I wouldn't have art to talk with, it would be fun to answer some questions for you all. So I put out feelers on Instagram uh, in honor of my upcoming birthday, which is July 30th. Uh, people have been asking when it actually is. It's July 30th. I decided I would answer some burning questions. Art's always answering burning questions, so I figure I can do some too. So it's going to be a very light, fun episode, and um, hopefully you'll learn something and maybe get a laugh, and I'm just going to go right into our normal notes. If you'd like to email us, actually, I prefer if you email us, especially when it comes to order-related questions, you can do so at admin, A-D-M-I-N, at mybestvintagelifepodcast.com. You can find us on social media at TikTok and Instagram at my best vintage life podcast. Lots of good content there. Oops. Oopsie. See, I'm always yelling at art. I have to yell at myself since he's not here. Website, my best vintage life You can sign up for our vintage uh, newsletter there for vintage resellers, rather, our newsletter for vintage resellers. You can do that right on the main page. You can purchase mentor sessions, one, three, or six sessions. You can do a little shopping or check out our wholesale FAQs. There's a lot of good answers to important questions there. And right now we're running a bunch of summer specials. We have a new exciting one that is printed dead stock pullover shirts. If you've seen them on social media, you know people are very excited about them. And um, we're doing some cool offers with those. We still have our denim short offer, blank t-shirt offer, Overdyed short offers, so lots of excitement there, and that's going to be something we're going to be doing continually, uh, the offers, until we run out of ideas or run out of things to sell, which will take a long time, I think. It has to be a very specific thing to do the offers, obviously, and it has to work out well in terms of choices of colors and sizes, so hopefully you've been enjoying what we're doing there, and uh, right now I'm running a birthday special until July 31st of 2020. Um, you'll get $34 off if you purchase any two items on the website. So if you want to purchase two lots of denim shorts, you'll get $34 off. That's applicable to anything on the website. So all good stuff there. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. It's been a long time since we've gotten a review. Um, Apple Podcasts and Podchaser are both good places to do so. And um, Podchaser is just kind of open to a wide range of users, whereas Apple Podcasts is obviously geared toward the Apple user. So a review only takes a few minutes to write. If you have time to do it and you want to share your love for the podcast, we'd really appreciate it. It definitely always kind of gives me a little confidence boost when I, I get a good review. And um, sometimes you hit like a plateau or all the people that really love your show have already written reviews and other people are just getting to know you. So there can be like a weird little lag there. Um, but if you're getting something out of the show a review would be much appreciated. And um, Obsession at the moment, I actually have it sitting in front of me. 
Um, there's this brand called Tea Pigs, and I've used their tea before, their hot tea, but now they have a cold brew, and uh, this one is cucumber and apple, and it's really, really yummy, and um, it looks like the, the bag that the tea's in is compostable, so you can compost it at home, which I'll, I'll try out. I do have, com- I do composting at my house. Um, looks like they're very into sustainability and um, there's no added sugar naturally caffeine free natural flavors plant-based packaging you just drop it's they call it like a tea temple you know it's like the triangular tea bags 16 ounces of water for seven minutes and then uh it's just like you know cold brew coffee which if i tried to drink i would die (laughs) i did once and i felt like shit i can't drink coffee so this is really nice and they're really marketing it as a good way to um you know stay hydrated makes your water just a little bit more tasty so tea pigs cold brew obsession at the moment okay so obviously we don't have one central topic this week because i'm answering questions from um listeners a fun birthday episode so here we go and um between questions i will pepper in our ads that we have our ad reads so the first question What's a really popular vintage item that you just absolutely hate? Perhaps a bestseller that you are just not into at all. So one thing comes to my mind immediately. So that's probably what I should talk about. I don't want to say that it's like um, super popular right now. I had one client really into the idea of them, but it doesn't seem like anybody else is buying them. Some people buy them here and there, but... Um, I don't like denim skirts. (laughs) I think that people look really cute in them when they wear them and um, they can be styled in really good ways and and really awful ways. Um, But it's just never, I I mean, and I wore them in high school. I loved them in high school, but that was about the end of that for me. So whether it's a, a mini or a midi or a maxi, uh, just not my cup of tea. And obviously no offense made to anybody who likes them, wears them, sells them. Hey, I could care less if you're making money and it's doing good for your business. If I don't like it, who cares? You have to like it and your customer has to like it. But for me, um, you'll probably never see me wearing one. Now, here's the thing. I love skirts. I always have a hard time finding vintage skirts that I like uh, because I feel like skirts are tough. You know, you have, we have grades of denim skirts. We have um, kind of like the rayon-y type floral skirts that are in our women's mix. We have leather skirts, which I'm down, I'm down with those. I do like leather skirts. I just don't get to wear them too much here in Fresno. I did much more back in Pennsylvania, but I love, um, I bought a skirt once a long time ago from Everlane and it was kind of like, I'd say 60s inspired and it had two front little pockets and it came down to just above the knee and it was a pretty heavyweight cotton twill black. And, you know, when I bought it, I knew I should have gotten other colors in it and, you know, well, there's a lot of stuff has come out about Everlane now. Um, I don't know much about them now. I don't shop there anymore. So I can't say whether things were good or great back then. I have no idea what the whole story is there. But um, 
I only bought one and I love that skirt. I personally have thought about recreating that skirt with um, some of the workwear fabric that we have here. And I've asked, I have a friend who uh, has a clothing line and uh, I asked her, you know, because I'd love to support her more and wear her clothes. But every time I go to her website, I'm like, gosh, I wish she made skirts. And I reached out to her and she's like, skirts just don't do well for us. So she's pretty like adamant on not creating them, which I get, you know, that could be a really huge risk and a huge financial liability. So that's fine. But um, it's just, I love skirts, but I can't find the skirts that I want. And it's definitely not denim skirts for me. So if I could pick one item that I, I, I mean, hate's a very strong word. I strongly dislike them. <laughs> so yeah, let's go with denim skirts for that. And with that, I'm gonna do our first ad read here. Oak City Vintage is a community curated vintage shop in Oklahoma City showcasing the best local vintage sellers and makers in apparel, accessories, and home decor. Our goal is to create a joyful and easy shopping experience for our customers. We carry a variety of styles from dresses to blouses to tees and denim, all ranging from the 40s through the 90s. The shop strives to bring one-of-a-kind shopping experience so you can feel good and look good while supporting local businesses and keeping beautiful goods out of the landfill. New arrivals are added to the floor and website weekly, so there's always a chance to find your next treasure. Visit oakcityvintageokc.com. That's oakcityvintageokc.com. And thank you for your patronage. Okay, so our next question, I think is, well, this is a combination of questions from one listener. Um, And she has been asking me for some time to talk more about hiring help because she found the first episode I did on it very helpful. So I'm glad that it helped her, but I think she's got her shit together enough um, that she could probably do her own episode on it. But it looks like she has a few more questions here. Let's see. So she says, I have so much great knowledge in this area. Thank you. When to do it. Um, Okay. So she has four employees now, but was afraid, super afraid to take the leap. And I think a lot of small business owners feel the same way, which I totally get. And um, I think that is a super subjective question, first off. Um, And everybody's going to, to be different because everybody's store is different. I think personally, people who are strictly online, whether they're selling on a platform or via a website or via, excuse me, social media, I don't think you're gonna need someone for a long time um, unless you have a ton of inventory to manage and you're processing a crazy amount of orders every day. I think it's easier to get away without hiring when you're in that position. But um, this this listener, this patron has a brick and mortar, and that is much more difficult when you have a physical space because physical spaces need to be run by people. <laughs> so, and I know a lot of people who have been torn over this, and while I wouldn't consider what we have here at Baz a brick and mortar, it is a physical location, and Art and I, do not take off nearly as much personal time as we should because of staffing issues and staffing shortage. And there's a lot of reasons why we're not well staffed. And I've talked about them before on the podcast, but I'm here to answer this person's question specifically. 
And I'm glad that they have four employees. I mean, that's that's impressive. They are in Europe, in uh, Denmark. So I don't I don't know what hiring is like there. Um, I know she has had some issues with people, like with resumes and stuff like that, sending them into her. Um, I'm sure a lot of the issues that I see or that we see here in the United States probably have some universal elements to them that we're seeing around the world um, in other countries on other continents. So I think in terms of when to do it, the first thing my major concern would be your overhead or, you know, how much money you're spending on bills and payments that aren't inventory. So your rent supplies, um, any kind of utility bills you may have for your space, power, water, whatever it may be. A lot of landlords do lump that into um, one summer. Your rent is, your utilities are included in your rent. Um, You know, you're paying if you have a security system, um, paying people to come in and do work, like contractors. Maybe you have a busted pipe or you need somebody to hang something on the wall for you that's like a display or something like that these are all things to take into consideration and you pay you know you have your monthly overhead some people break it down to weeks but I think it's easier to look at it from a monthly standpoint and I think it really you need to have your budget down you know budgeting is a really become an archaic skill and it's sad because it's a very valuable skill especially for young people to know how to do And I think it's a good idea if you're thinking about hiring for a brick and mortar to sit down, look at your bills, look at, you know, okay, after all the money I make, I have to keep in mind what those goods cost me and what money I now need to take out of that, you know, lump sum to pay all these other bills, pay my rent. So you really have to sit down, do that math, and see what you're left with after cost of goods and after your overhead costs. Um, if you have a lot of wiggle room, I'd say, yeah, maybe maybe it is time to, to hire an employee. That is if you really need one. Now, some people have stores that are very small and they're only open like two or three days a week and there's nothing wrong with that and they can easily do it themselves. They might be... You know, um, they might have left their job in the corporate world and they're happy doing that. And, you know, it's very it's a very chill environment. But if you're in like a major city and your store is open six to seven days a week and you're doing insane volume, you're probably going to need once again, like just as much as the webs, the online people probably don't need as much as the brick and mortar. There are varying levels of brick and mortar needs. And um, everybody's in a different season of their business. So like if you're in like a sleepy tourist town where you might have a few customers a day and you do it just to stay busy or it's a passion and maybe your partner or your spouse is, you know, making the money for your family or for your well-being and you're doing this more for fun. I think your needs are going to be a lot more different than someone who is just selling and selling and selling and your your sell through is insane you're going to need people you know much much sooner and um also taking into consideration what you want to pay people you know what what every every state here in the united states is different 
you know, in terms of minimum wage, and obviously I'm not saying you should be paying someone minimum wage. I think that everybody could do a, a better than that. And it depends on what the minimum wage is, is in your state as well. Some states, it's crazy how different they are. Um, and in some states, it's it might be kind of difficult for you to pay someone a lot over minimum wage, whereas some states it might be a lot easier. Um, once again, very, very subjective. But you, you want to take into consideration what you'll be paying them. And um, I'm assuming most people are probably doing like an hourly or a daily um, a daily rate for their employees and in, in stores. So that's something to take in consideration as well. And you can do the math. Okay, I'm going to hire this person. They're going to work X amount of hours a day times Y rate and you get Z amount. Okay, when you sit down and you do your budget, do you have Z left in your budget to pay this person? If you don't, you shouldn't be hiring. Um, and you know, if, if you don't, you know, and you're really busy or you're stressed, then it's time, I think, to reassess a few different things. One of them you might want to take into consideration is, you know, do I have like any family or friends that can help me? Maybe a friend would be willing to cover a day for you for trade, you know, instead of paying them, they're happy. I know plenty of people who are like this. They'd be happy to work. Uh, you know, a day at your store for like $75, $100 in vintage credit, or maybe there's a t-shirt they really want. And they just, you know, everybody's friends are different and they're willing to do different things for you. Or maybe they're a really amazing person and they don't want anything at all. And they just want you to take a day off and relax. Um, everybody is different and every situation is different. Also, there's, you know, interns. Um, a lot of people, when they hire an intern, they do, instead of doing like an hourly rate, they do a weekly stipend. So you're covering like wear and tear on their car, their gas, and their lunch. Um, whereas they're not getting paid like an hourly rate. And a lot of kids are hungry to work and then they'll do that, you know, just to get the experience in. That's something to take into consideration as well. I think it's just really important to have you know, a high moral standard when it comes to paying someone and um, not making people feel like they're working for nothing. And things have changed a lot in terms of that. I mean, if you're my age, I'm about to turn 34. When I first started working in Pennsylvania, minimum wage was $5.15. You know, I think now it's like maybe $10, but it's, you have to take a step back and and kind of remove yourself from the situations you were in when you were a younger person because um, things just aren't the same and I'm, I'm glad they aren't I'm not saying that's what things still should be um, but sometimes like you, you know you look back or you reflect and you're like oh wow things have things have really changed a lot um, so keeping keeping all these things in mind so hopefully that helps about when is the right time um, and then these questions are based on interviews, uh, questions to ask during an interview. I mean, I think there's a lot of basic questions that most people ask kind of covering your bases. Um, when it comes to business related topics or vintage related topics, I would definitely ask what their experience is with working with vintage. Um, and it doesn't have to be pure work experience. It could be, you know, they've been thrifting for three years. Like you want to more or less find out how much they really know about vintage and 
oftentimes people don't know as much as they think they know. <laughs> I mean, that's everyone. We all learn these things. When I met Art, or when I rather when I came out here to work for Art, I realized, wow, there's a lot of stuff I don't know. And I think it's good to, to be for people, you know, it's good for you to find that out up front and tell people it's okay to be transparent. Um, and you might have someone who is honest and they say they don't really know that much about vintage. At least they're being honest and you have to make the decision, RK, are you going to be willing to take them under your wing and teach them? Um, so, yeah, I mean, that would be like a very basic question. I personally like to ask at least one or two questions that throw people off guard. Because I like to hire someone who's kind of quick on their feet in a sense, you know, um, and you can really make that whatever you want to make it. The one question I would always ask um, was, you know, what's something interesting you've read lately? And people that they don't typically have a panic look on their face. And I'd say it doesn't have to be a book doesn't have to be a book it could be a magazine article it could be a blog post it could be um, a newspaper article it's just interesting I think to me to see how people react to that I think reading is a big part of any job because reading in a way is a form of following instructions especially written instructions and I think it's nice to see you know, what people are into, what they like to read, what they can remember from what they read. I did have someone once, they were really excited to tell me their answer and then they couldn't remember anything about what they had read. So it was interesting to see, it's like, okay, are they, what, do they not retain what they read? You know, it's just kind of a cool way to get your feelers out there and see, um, cause to me, reading and attention to detail is a huge part of any job. And um, I don't know, that was always a, an interesting question for me to ask. And you don't have to ask that one. You could ask your own version of it. Um, maybe you're hiring someone who won't be doing much reading or much, um, you know, task related stuff. Maybe they're just doing one process for you. Maybe you're hiring someone to help you with, laundering the clothes or mending the clothes and they don't need to be following instructions so much because it's more of a single process job. Um, I definitely like to ask people what their goals are for themselves in their life. Obviously knowing that probably in five years they won't be working for me or I always would always hope they won't be working for me. They've moved on to, to you know, things that better suit them or bigger and better things. I think it's really good that um, people have goals for themselves because you have to have goals every day in your work day, or at least if you can't have them every day, you should have them weekly because it, it, you know, it sets the tone for you and gives you something to work toward and gives you a big picture. So it's nice to hear a night, uh, it's nice to hear a response from someone and kind of be like, oh, wow, this person, you know, th they have their shit together. Um, they want to do this in five years. And if I was interviewing someone to work with Vintage and they told me in five years, um, you know, I want to graduate with a degree in something totally unrelated to fashion, I'd be like, cool. 
Like, I don't care. I don't care that you don't want to work in fashion. I care that you have a goal, that you have a picture of the future, because to me, that probably means that you're going to have set little goals for yourself when you're working for me or help me set goals for the business. Maybe you can give me some input on things that you think we need to work toward. So that's definitely another good one. How to manage a team. Let me take a sip of water here. Oh, sorry. It's hard when you're talking alone. <laughs> How to manage a team. So we used to have a pretty big team of people here once upon a time. And I talked about it last episode where we were talking about sexism. It was me and a lot of guys and it was very hard. It was very hard as a woman to manage them. And it was equally as hard for art to manage them because, um, you know, Art and I are very difficult people to work for. We have very high expectations for people, very high standards. And um, not everyone has those for themselves. Hang on, guys, one second. Oh, okay. It's just our landscaper. I saw a truck driving backwards down our parking lot. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Please, I don't need this right now. Um, yeah, so managing a team and um, set, so going into what I said about, you know, Art and I have high standards for people. Um, I think it's really good when you're managing a team. Probably one of the mistakes Art and I didn't make was not setting those standards up front enough with people. I remember one day I was just so angry with everyone that I told Art we need to have a meeting. And, um, we met with all of them and you know, that's, I, I don't mind talking in front of people. I had to do it at my old job all the time, like on a weekly, sometimes daily basis does not bother me. Um, but it's complete. It was a completely different scenario here. It's a completely different job, a completely different environment. And after we had that meeting, I felt really good, you know, because I had face to face told someone how I felt about them, what I was angry about and what they can do to not, make me feel that way again and to be better at their job. And um, I think a lot of that has been lost because, well, I mean, for the last however, you know, long dealing with the pandemic and people working from home, I think a lot of people have lost confidence about confrontation. And I don't mean confrontation like, hey, man, get in someone's face. No, I'm just talking about confrontation about an issue. Um, a lot of people aren't practicing public speaking skills anymore or just general face-to-face -face communication. And um, people are kind of have like the Frady cat approach, like, oh, I'll just, I'll text them and fire them or something. And it's just like, it's so unprofessional. So for me, if I could say, I mean, I could go on and on about managing a team, but if there's one thing that I think you should really do is practice a lot of in-person communication and in-person standard setting. Um, if you have a team, I think team bonding is really great to do. So if you have the money in your budget, pick like one day a month or like an afternoon or something where you guys can go maybe get a drink or go grab a burger or just do something fun and chill 
maybe go somewhere quiet where you can like call it constructive time, but also fun time. I think it's really good for building morale and maybe you can do it if there's an especially like maybe there was a fight with two people at work or gossip or drama, whatever it may be, or disorganization. Try to set it around those times because I think it's really good for people to see, okay, um, my boss is asking me and everyone to go get drinks, so they can't be that mad at us, right? Or, oh, we're going to do something fun, but it's also going to be, like, time to talk. I don't know. I, I just think it, it it's, I mean, think about this, okay? Think about the scariest, most stressful job you've ever had. Your boss calls you and your team into a white room with a big desk and chairs, or they say, hey, after work, we're going to go grab a drink or we're going to go get tacos and we just need to talk about some things and then, you know, that's it. Like, I just want to talk with you guys. Think about those two scenarios. I mean, which one would you have rather? <laughs> I would definitely prefer the tacos, uh, like at a picnic table, somewhere quiet, you know, where we can talk about serious things, but still have like a lighthearted environment that people don't feel like they're going to get, um, you know, cut loose, basically. Now, I'm not saying everything is not you know, there are times when that type of setting would be, you know, inappropriate. But I think if it's something minimal or like standard setting or like, hey, once a month, let's just touch base with each other. Then I think that, you know, keeping it light is definitely a good way to keep things successful and keep people happy. I'm going to do our next ad read. Elwood Vintage was opened in 2016 with a dream and three t-shirts. Six years later, Elwood Vintage has that perfect piece for every occasion. Put on an Elwood Vintage tee and hear the loud guitars screaming, feel the drums beating, and you singing your heart out at your favorite 80s rock concert. We have that buttersoft biker tee that will take you back to your first motorcycle ride with the wind in your hair and zero Fs given. Visit elwoodvintage.com. Don't forget about that perfect crisp pair of vintage jeans to jump into the morning. When you buy vintage, you're buying more than the clothes. You're buying the memory and the good vibes that come. Elwood Vintage. Wear them till they melt off. Thank you for your patronage. And I do apologize. Our landscaper is here and, you know, they're using the leaf blower. So if you hear any um, background, like, murmuring, that's what that is. Should be pretty quiet for a while. All right. Maybe the last one was tips for people wanting to work in the industry. You know, I would definitely say um, it's a learn by doing type job. I think there are other aspects of the fashion industry, other facets of the fashion industry that you can learn a lot more online, um, visually reading. You can learn a lot more out of books. I mean, you can use those with vintage, but I think it's a, it's very tangible. You need to get yourself out there. Uh, go to your local vintage stores. Go to your local thrift stores. Go to your local estate sales. Go to your local yard sales. Uh, go to your local f antique malls. Like whatever, whatever, like part of the vintage secondhand industry that is speaks to you. Get out there and learn, and and learn by doing. Um, how do you think I learned? <laughs> I didn't go to school for this. You know that. And, um, you know, just having having the experiences. And I just, I think it's so much more valuable. 
the tangibility of it, holding a t-shirt, holding a sweatshirt, looking at the tag, feeling the fabric, just putting themselves out there. And um, if you're able to get a job at one of those places, ask them if they need help. It'd be a great way to learn. It would be a way to step up from just visiting those places. Instead of visiting, maybe you're spending six hours a day working there and, um, and learning more. Obviously, corporate jobs like my old job with Vintage are not common at all. I'm always very honest about that. I remember a woman cornered me at a party once because her daughter wanted to work at Urban Outfitters, and it was so awkward. She's like, I just don't understand how you got your job. I said, well, it was probably about the eighth job I applied for there. I said, it didn't happen overnight. It took me about two years to get hired there, and it was just a stroke of luck. I truly believe, you know, all of, I mean, it was one of the craziest butterfly effects you'll ever know in the vintage industry, my life, because the the things that had to happen the way they happened for me to get here, it's just insane. So instead of waiting around for that to happen to you, get yourself out there and make it happen and uh, expose yourself as much as you can to to vintage and to secondhand and look for a mentor you know there's lots of people out there who can who can help you i think if you're looking for a mentor have a good approach about it i think these days not enough people have mentors anymore um, because so many people have such an inflated ego they think that they don't need them whereas when i was starting out in this business, that's like everybody was talking about mentors, find a mentor, you know, kind of like a, a big buddy type thing, uh, find someone who can help you and guide you and shepherd you. And, and now so many, especially young people, just, they don't see the value in it. You know, I look at our, I look at all these kids on TikTok that I've blocked or people on Instagram that I've blocked because of their arrogance, their rudeness. And I think, man, I mean, of course they could make it another account or have their friends look at our content or whatever, but that specific account, they'll never be able to look at our content again. They'll never be able to learn from him or even learn from me. And it's just like, wow, what a waste, you know? There's just so much information from someone like Art to learn from. It just blows my mind. So if you can check your ego for a hot minute and find a mentor, I would highly recommend doing that as well. And um, let's see, this was a fun one from that same person. Hang on. Ah, your favorite era of style and your least favorite. Like what would be the worst dress in this era challenge for you? Ah, okay. Uh, favorite, you know, for the longest time I was always a really big fan of the 20s and I still am but I think now at this point in time in my life I'd say I'm more into the 70s and the 60s as well but probably I'd say mostly the 70s um least favorite 80s <laughs> it wasn't even just the clothing of the 80s I mean don't get me wrong there's some amazing stuff from the 80s but I think the whole package of the 80s the hair the makeup I've even said it to Art because he was in high school in the 80s. And I'm like, yeah, women were just, at least from like my standpoint, you know, I was like looking at his yearbook one day. 
I was like, the, the hair, the makeup, it was just all a lot. It was very, um, you know, costumey. That's not to say the 80s didn't have great moments. I know, I know that they did. Like, you know, the year I was born. <laughs> this is a birthday episode. But for me, um, that the clothing of the 80s is for me is just not something I'm attracted to as much as other eras. So they asked, uh, would it be dressing in an like, what would you the worst dress in this era challenge be for you? Would it be dressing in all 80s prom dresses for a week? Or would it be to go full Y2K low waist mini skirts and halter neck tops with crazy print and rhinestones? I'd love to hear it. Well, my days of low waist are over because um, I'm noticing as I'm getting older, the the uh, the obliques are getting harder to keep toned. <laughs> so I go with the high waist. Um, I actually don't hate Y2K stuff. I, act- I really like it. I think for me, it... it there is a comfort to it because I, I was young and living through it. Same thing with the nineties clothes. Yeah. I mean, dressing in eighties prom dresses for a week here in Fresno, I would fucking die in the heat and all the, even in the fall, I'd probably still be hot with all the ruffles and frills. Not a fan. Um, you know, the 80, not even just the prom dresses, the wedding dresses. Um, I was watching watching a special on uh, the wedding of Princess Charles, Princess Charles, <laughs> Prince Charles, and Princess Diana, and they were interviewing everybody involved in the day, and it was a really cool breakdown of the wedding. They had the um, the florist, the cake maker, the gown designer, and one other person. Um, but you know, seeing that gown. I mean, I've seen it a million times. Most of us have, but it was a lot. And and they got married July 29th. Yeah, July 29th. It always sticks in my head because, I mean, I wasn't born then, but it was the day before my birthday. So imagine wearing all that. I mean, even in the UK, it gets, I mean, it's brutally hot there right now. Might as well be Fresno. But um, that dress, you know, I mean, she looked gorgeous. She looked like a little angel. But uh, the dress itself is just a lot. 80s dresses were a lot. So, yeah, if I had to wear those for a week or just, some other 80s stuff, you know, the bright neon. Uh, no, I just, I don't think I could do it. So, yeah, anything, anything 80s and very out there 80s would be a tough challenge for me. <laughs> I'm going to do our last ad read. Three Marguerites, resellers of curated finds on eBay. Antique, vintage, contemporary, hand-smocked dresses on Sunday mornings, pearl snap shirts in the same dance hall where Grandpa waltzed Granny. A Shetland wool sweater keeps you cozy around the campfire. Chicken soup and the price is right under an heirloom afghan. We hope you find these memories and more in our eBay store. Three Marguerites gladly ships overseas purchases through the eBay Global Shipping Program. That's ebay.com slash str slash three marguerites. That's M-A-R- G-U-E-R-I-T-E-S. Thank you for your patronage. This person says, happy birthday. Uh, What is your favorite part of your day at work? And or what makes it more than a job and more something you're passionate about doing? Okay. (laughs) And they had a PS, which I'll keep private. (laughs) Um. God, what is my favorite part of the day at work? I think, um, God, I'm going to get emotional saying this. 
I think the fact that, um, because I know what it's like to wake up or to go to bed and wake up multiple times in in the night because you're so anxious about going to work the next day and what's going to happen and driving into work, feeling sick to your stomach. I think the fact that I wake up every day and I don't feel that anymore, that, um, that's an incredible feeling and I have to give so much credit to art for that, you know, um, because I, I am coming up on six years here in Fresno and, um, I can't think of many times where I've ever felt that way. Maybe I know someone's going to be here that I don't want to (laughs) see, But God knows I don't feel that way about art. You know, there's been frustrating people here that we've employed, but it's never wrecked my day so much that I have such crippling anxiety from it. Um, So what's my favorite part of the day at work? Uh, Probably pulling in, you know, and just thinking how incredibly lucky I am, even on the hottest day filled with smoke because God knows some part of this state's on fire and it's like 110 degrees, even on those days when they suck and you can't breathe. It's like, okay, I I could have it a lot worse. Um, so yeah, I'm very, very lucky. Um, but you know, aside from that and you know, me crying, (laughs) um, I love when, my clients are here and I get to see them and spend time with them because I learn things from them. They're my pulse, you know, because I'm so busy at this job. I don't get to travel as much as I'd like. And, um, you know, that's another thing about working a job you really love. You don't necessarily feel the need to take as many vacations as you used to because you've created a life that you don't, need to run away from all the time. And I'm not saying if you go on a vacation, you're running away from your life, but some people do. Some people, it's just like, if they don't have that vacation, they'll die though. Maybe not physically, but mentally inside. So, um, but you know, seeing, seeing my clients and hearing from them, what's going on in their stores and their lives. And that's a really beautiful part of it. And, um, you know, in terms of what makes it more than a job and more something you're passionate about doing. Um, it, for me, it's, I don't, it's just almost organic for me. And I don't know how that became that way. Sometimes I sit and think about what I do. You know, Art always says to me, where did you get your, your taste level? Where did you learn such good taste? And, you know, I had, had never really even thought about it um, because, you know, I grew up poor. It's not like my mom had a closet full of, you know, couture or anything like that. She she thought it was a treat to buy herself like a $200, maybe $100 purse every like three years. You know, it's just, but she had good taste. And my dad's a very creative person and... Um, I think I had some creative people in my family and I don't know. It's almost like a reflex. It's very strange. I have so much passion for what I do that it it never, ever feels like a job or work. And, um, 
I think that that is like the key to, to ultimate happiness, you know? Um, and there's some other really great parts of the day too, you know, finding something that we thought we didn't have any more of or finding an ultra rare item, um, putting together orders for people knowing I'm going to help them build their small businesses. Maybe right now they can't afford to travel or they can't afford, you know, our normal minimum, like the special offers we're doing right now. It's been so rewarding. I get messages from people, you know, Oh my God, I love this. Thank you so much. They're doing so well. People really love them. You know, I'm, that makes me so happy. That's why I do what I do. And that's why this podcast has become such a you know, a podcast for vintage resellers, because I realized, okay, there is a more, instead of just talking about vintage in general, there's definitely a very niche group of people that need our help or want to learn from us or just want to laugh with us and hear about something they're passionate about as well. So yeah, I just, I think for me, what makes it more than a job is just what I I get to work with every day. I get to work with a little piece of history every day, tangible history in a way that a lot of people don't, you know, people work at art galleries or art museums, but they don't really get to touch the paintings. They have to wear gloves to do it or even textile collections. You know, you're wearing curator's gloves to touch a dress. Um, Archaeologists have to be super careful when they're on a site doing a dig so that they don't break a pot or an arrowhead or a bone or something that might have significant historical importance. I, yeah, sometimes have to be delicate with what I'm doing, but for the most part, I get to touch a piece of history and somebody, someone's life, because most of what we sell was worn every single day. And that's really, really special. So I hope that that answered your question well. Now I did all our ad reads, but I do want to remind you about our patron program. We have three patron levels, and I don't have any new patrons to announce this week. If anybody owes me a burning question for art for next time, please feel free to send it on over. Um, I typically ask one time if you have one, and then I t- if you don't, I'll tell you, okay, then it's just it's on you to get it to me because uh, it's really hard for me to keep track. So we do have our $5 level. That includes an on-air shout-out for your person and or business. You get to ask Art a burning question on air, which is what I was just talking about. And you get two bonus episodes a month, which we're almost at 30 bonus episodes in the back catalog now. So as long as you're a paying patron um, member, you get access to all those bonus episodes. And I highly recommend you listen to them, especially if you've burned through all of our public content. And you listen to those through the Podbean app and you can sign up. Uh, for the patron program at patron.podbean.com slash my best vintage life podcast. And as always, all of this information is in the show notes. Uh, We do have our $20 ad level. I believe there's two spots left there since we have three ads at the moment. Um, 30 to 60 second ad twice a month. You give me the copy. So the people, the ad reads that I just did, they provided me with that copy and, um, I will read your ads twice a month. So something to think about, um, especially if you like to ship internationally. We have a very large international audience, and uh, that could be an exciting step for you and your business. And then we have, oh, and if you're um, if you're an ad paying um, ad patron, you do get access to the bonus episodes. 
And then we also have a $25 level, which is text mentoring with me. And that includes all the features of the $5 level and also text mentoring via the Nudge app. So that's patron.podbean.com slash my best vintage life podcast. And that's it for all my proper notes. Wow, 47 minutes. Holy smokes. I really talked up a storm. And Art wasn't here. Can you imagine if he would have been here adding his his 20 cents? <laughs> oh, I do miss him. But I think it was a pretty fun episode. I was worried that I didn't get that many questions, but those actually took up a lot of time. I'm kind of glad that I didn't get any more. I think I said I would answer 5 to 10, um, but I just happened to get quite a few from one person, and I liked them all. So, And it sucks, you know, whenever I kind of, like, reach out uh looking for questions or answers from people a lot of times those are whatever reason the stories that like don't end up getting seen by a lot of people it always works out that way which is unfortunate but it's for me the easiest way to reach out to you all and uh, in the meantime if you're interested in old house stuff old house renovations cabins nature i did uh, make a purchase of a 1970s cabin here in Fresno County and slowly renovating it and uh, doing a lot of work. As of late, the inside is almost done. Didn't need too much work. It's the outside that's a little concerning. The deck is shot and termite bait, so we got to change that. <laughs> um but if you're interested, I did create an Instagram account for it, which has been really fun. It's like, I, I think I said this before, it's been so long since I made a new Instagram account. And that is at Meadow Meander Cabin, Meadow Meander Cabin. And um, follow along there, but only follow along if you're super interested in it. I definitely created another account just because I feel like I'll lose followers when I post stuff like that on my normal accounts. And I feel like this is just give, gives people the opportunity that really want to be there and really want to learn to be there. And I'm very transparent. I've been talking about the cost of things, which is important for people to learn about because I know a lot of you like me, like old homes, and they do come with costs. You know, um, it's one thing to buy the home and have a mortgage. It's another to renovate it or fix it so lots of transparency there and I think you'd enjoy it if that's what you're looking for on your social media feed so that is that and I think that's all I have for now my friends so in the meantime stay safe stay sane stay healthy be kind and don't be basic I'll talk to you soon bye